Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 215 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we'll be discussing the tragic death of Stefan Bonner, the insane way the UFC-ESPN deal got made, the leaked audio of Colby Covington's police report, and we're joined once again by our long-lost brother, Mookie Alexander. God dang it, I'm so happy you're back here, even if it's just for a day. But first... I need to know something. Are you two ready for yet another year of even higher priced fight cards? Um, yeah, sure. Because I'm definitely, uh, you know, I'm still in this. I'm not in this industry anymore, but uh, I'm definitely going to be paying to watch every UFC pay-per-view north of $1,000. Absolutely. I'm going to 100% do that. I, we've been talking about this for years. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps happening. You know, one of the, the two big selling points for UFC pay-per-views was, one, the cards are deeper, which is cards are deeper than boxing, and that's still true. The second bit was the pay-per-views are cheaper than boxing pay-per-views. That's no longer true. So at, at this point... <clears throat> You're about to pay $80 for this next UFC pay-per-view, and Shogun is opening the card. Like, come on, people. Yeah, and the thing there is it's not going to be $80. It's going to be closer to about $87 or $88, because at $74.99, with the taxes and the little fee that they tack on, it comes out to $81.18 for Texas. That's with my taxes. I don't know what it is everywhere else. But here, just the seventy four ninety nine comes out to eighty one eighteen. So I'm imagining that seventy nine ninety nine is going to come out to about eighty seven, maybe eighty eight dollars. So you're upwards of ninety dollars now. Yeah, and you need an ESPN Plus subscription, yes. which I do have through mm-hmm. through I do Hulu. As well. But still, it, for those who don't have it, you have to get it. Mm-hmm. We're really getting fleeced, and it, it's. It's just constantly happening. But the good news is, um, of course, I've been gone from Bloody Elbow for a few months. But as I understand, this new deal will 100% mean that the fighters get paid more, correct? I've been out of the loop a bit, but this is exactly what it means, right? (laughs) You know what I love? Let me tell you. Let me tell you what I absolutely adore. All right, this motherfucker leaves. He says, "Ooh, I'm leaving this 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 bottom feeder ass sport. I'm gonna trade one uh, extravaganza for brain trauma for another." And he goes off and he does a little rinky dink thing with his little teams that do a little foot thing with the ball and they run around and shit and they collide at ninety miles an hour. And then he comes back to make fun of the fact that you know, let me go mingle with the poor's. Let me see how the other half are living now. You see this? The sheer snide fucking arrogance of this guy. I'm sitting here thinking, man, I miss doing these with Mookie. And this is the first thing that comes out of his rotten goddamn mouth. I swear to God, you are a traitor. This is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. But the worst part is he's right. And that's the part that stings. Because Jesus Christ, I remember when they charged like a hundred bucks for Mayweather McGregor. Mm. You know? And and we were like, yeah, MMA is going to be there soon. Like, did we expect it to be this soon? Kinda? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like it's it's gonna be a hundred in like less than two years at this rate. They're just they're just jacking it up, but that's great because if anybody needs more Ferraris, it's Dana White. I just love it. I love how we're gonna be spending more money per event, per year with everything, just so just so we can see another dude put on the performance of a lifetime and right there in the cage drop to his knees and beg for a fucking bonus as if he were some sort of a, a, a panhandler on uh, 7th Avenue somewhere. This is this is great. It's a wonderful little equation we've got here. Thank you, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Look, down. It, it, uh, excuse me, but, you know, if you're really, really computer savvy, you can watch all these pay-per-views for zero dollars and zero cents and zero viruses. Mm-hmm. But not everybody is that way. And unfortunately, uh, you know, it's a down year for pay-per-views for, for, for both the UFC and for boxing with inflation and everything else going on. Mm-hmm. Like we, we just had a pay-per-view 
with what Blahovich and Akalaev as the main event. Yeah. You know that they're not releasing numbers for that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I'll tell you something though. Here here's here's the here's the thing, right? So if you are computer savvy and you do find some sort of workaround, do you really want those problems? Dana White's going to tap your phone. They're going to have a van outside your house. They're monitoring your computer. They know you're watching videos with Jeannie Pepper. Yes, you listening <laughs> right now. They know exactly what's going on. You've been downloading Big Whip Butts one through eight and you skip number five, which is the true crime in this situation, not being a, com- a completionist. But, you know, man, I mean, that's that's life, man. There's no ethical consumption under capitalism outside of eating ass. <laughs> Good God. All right. So, uh, wow. What an awkward transition I had to make here. Jesus. Christ. Whenever Steffi's compass goes wild like this, this is how I know I've accomplished something great. This is a, we're really killing the new year in a, in grand fashion. Oh, yes. We haven't mm-hmm. even gotten to the new year and you're already starting early. So, hey, listen, why wait? All right. So, uh, awkward transition aside, we do have to get into our first news story, and it is a sad one. Uh, At the age of 45, UFC legend Stefan Bonner has passed away. Now, there isn't an official report released yet why, but it is assumed that it is due to heart complications because he had battled with addiction to painkillers. He'd had a broken back and neck issues stemming from his few years on the pro wrestling circuit, the indie wrestling circuit at that. The uh, UFC released an official statement, took everyone by surprise, myself included. And Mookie, if I'm not mistaken, you were on that interview with me when uh, I interviewed Stefan Bonner, were you not? I think I'm pretty sure you were with me when we did that. I don't remember. I might have. I have to go through the archives. It was one of the first ones we ever did together. But he talked about he had just retired the year before or or a few months before. And he had talked about being a day trader. He had just gotten into day trading and was finding a, a good bit of success day trading. He was out there surfing a little bit. He was doing so many things and enjoying his retirement. I don't know what happened, where things went wrong. I know that recently his house had burned down and Tyron Woodley helped him out extensively. I've even seen reports that Tyron Woodley bought him a house. But he'd been in and out of jail, in and out of the hospital. He was he even filmed his own arrest as he was yeah. being discharged from the hospital last year and it was incredibly sad every time a new report on Stefan Bonner came out over the last two or three years I held my breath and it's really sad and I know Sean Strickland had something kind of important to say and I don't often agree with him but he said something that made a lot of sense to me and he he was referring to all the the fighters and the people that were intimately in Stefan Bonner's circles talking about you know they were posting their pictures and their stories about him after he died and he said where were you when he was alive when he needed you and I kind of wonder that too but at the same time if you've ever known anybody with addiction, it's really hard to connect with them. Yeah. It's really hard to track them down sometimes. And a lot of times they don't want your help. They want what they need. And so it's incredibly sad. I feel terrible for his wife, his family, anyone that loved him. I don't know what else to say here. Gentlemen, I'll start with you, Mookie. Yeah, this really took me by surprise, even knowing full well that Bonner has been through a lot of of personal problems and and substance abuse issues, all of that over the last several years, other health problems. And then I saw the the news from the UFC Twitter account because they reported it first. There there wasn't any report yet from um, like regular reporters for fighting or junkie. And um, I also noticed that he actually passed on Thursday and the news got out on Saturday. So I don't know if his body was discovered that day or what, but it is just so sad. I mean, these these last few months, I mean, with Anthony Johnson passed away, but also Elias Theodoru, whom you and I have interviewed yes. multiple times. So um, that that was extremely tragic because it was so unexpected. 
we didn't really know that Elias was sick. With Stefan, we knew we had some health problems and we hadn't heard a lot from him in recent years, but it's still nevertheless really tragic because he meant he meant a lot to to this sport. Uh, oh, I mean, yes, yes the, the first fight with Forrest Griffin and the Ultimate Fighter finale, the inaugural uh, edition of the Ultimate Fighter, there are there have since been better fights than that, but they're not necessarily more impactful than this one because it was on Spike TV. It it. it took off the, the reality show, really, and justified giving it more seasons. And it, it exemplified both Bonner as a fighter and Griffin as a fighter. I mean, Stefan Bonner named his kid after Forrest Griffin. Yes, yes. And the other thing, too, with that is you could basically say that Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffin had a hand in saving the UFC because both Lorenzo and Dana have both come out and stated in interviews that if Tuff hadn't succeeded that they were going to have to throw in the towel and declare a bankruptcy on the UFC. Mm -hmm. and, so. and it was a truly knockdown, drag them out mm -hmm. brawl. That first round is, is, is a, just a classic of, of guts and determination, everything imaginable. And, of course, they both got UFC contracts. Most of that, that cast from The Ultimate Fighter did get it. But I looked through that card again. I have very little recollection of Diego Sanchez and Kenny Florian in, in their tough final. Um, and Rich Franklin, I guess, beat Ken Shamrock on that same card. But everybody who watched that fight, even if they had to tune in in the middle of the fight, saw it. They remember Bonner versus Griffin, and it was just a classic. But, you know, Bonner, be besides that fight, um, I just remember his commentary on the um, Anthony Pettis Showtime kick on Benson Henderson. He said, ran off the wall like a ninja. And those are poignant words because he's the American psycho, but he said he wanted to be a ninja growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for him to be on the mic for that was, was just perfect. So for him to stay around in the sports as, as long as he has, and of course, he was just incredibly tough inside the cage. I mean, the only time he'd ever been stopped with strikes was the Anderson Silva fight. And that was a fight he took on very short notice. They, they rescued that card because that was supposed to be, I think, Aldo and Edgar. And Aldo might have had a motorcycle accident or, or some sort of injury that made him uh, leave the card. So those two had to step in on, on a few weeks' notice and take that fight. That ended up being Stefan's second to last fight. But, yes, so just condolences to his family and his friends. This is just another tragic loss for this sport. Yeah, man, Stefan, uh, it's a complicated legacy in some ways. You know, uh, he was known for being essentially, you know, one of the nicer guys. He'd, he'd, take, a, he'd take some he'd go out of his way to give some advice to some of the younger dudes, but we saw him unravel in a way that was truly hard to watch. Um, Steffi, you mentioned the arrest with the live streaming, mm. you know, you, you mentioned how he was, I mean, if you remember, if it's the same video I'm thinking of where he's yelling at the cop, he's explaining and detailing his dosages. Yes. Yes. He's explaining, they put me on this instead of this. And now I got this and the cops staring at him. Like he's speaking Greek, like, okay, buddy, look, I know you got a problem, but how does this help? You know, he live streamed the problem at the hospital where he was denied a certain medication that he had needed. And he was out there and, and it was kind of weird because it was wrapped up in that weird sort of COVID denial thing. Cause he was saying, I remember this part specifically where he said that, um, you know, the people that were sick in the hospitals because they had taken the vaccine, which, okay. Now you're veering at a bit of a, I, I merely mentioned this to get a, a bit of a glimpse into what could have been going through his mind at the time. You know, it, what, what is his, um, perspective on these medical things and how does it affect him and his decisions clearly this man was crying out for pain due to his pain and, and crying out for help and i don't know man i mean Steffi, you made an excellent point sometimes the help that we think someone in his situation needs isn't what they're perceiving to be help at least not at that time um there were many people that, that that I'd seen that had said, you know, oh, I try to reach out and, you know, he just he rebuffed them. You know, he just, just he wasn't uh, he wasn't in a position to uh, structure things in a way, because this is what happens when people free fall sometimes. And the punishing nature of mixed martial arts, trading that in for quicker paydays and a different kind of exposure in pro wrestling might seem like a good idea until you go through the rigors and the trauma and the pain of pro wrestling after you've already beaten your body up in MMA. He didn't come in as a spring chicken, you know? So, so he's got that going on. This dude had screws in him. He had plates in him. He'd been walking around doing a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, I think he was already hurt by the time he had that Tito fight. 
he was already really in uh, in a bit of a bad spot. And I understand when people are saying, like, why didn't the UFC do more? Why didn't they take care of him? Well, I don't know what kind of care you think people can really give someone like that. We live in a society where, unfortunately, medical concerns like this, given the for-profit nature of it, you know, it, it's hard for people to access what they need, and it's hard for people to – it's a lot easier for people to take certain shortcuts, and they get hooked on painkillers. And, you know, uh, it, it's it's what ends up happening after this sport chews people up and spits them out. You end up in a situation like this. Now, we don't have a cause of death for for him yet. Obviously, that part of the story we have yet to find out. And, um, I, you know, you just – you feel bad. That's all this is. All of this is just ick because it was all so entirely preventable. Monkey, you raised the point that Elias Theodoru, right, much like Chadwick Boseman, he kept everything private. He was dealing with that on his own. He thought he could manage it. And, you know, for all we know, hey, maybe there was a good chance. And he rolled the dice on it and he didn't make it. You know, but that's different to swallow because you do have the sudden shock and you do have the, the you, you have the knowledge. This is someone who passed away uh, you know, it's not good to see somebody in that age range lose their life, especially when they're not that far from what was their time in the spotlight. But then this man, I mean, shit, I don't really I don't know that there's any true remedy to this. There's no one silver bullet to fix and prevent situations like this. A pension would not have been enough. Uh, a job, a steady gig with the UFC might not have been enough. There's there's so many what ifs. There's so many situations here, so many factors at play. And it's just one of those deals where you just you, you kind of just shake your head and you just hope that we see less of this. But. As positive as I want to be about it, man, I, it, it, this is just going to continue to happen. Well, speaking of unfortunate events, we are going to pivot to the ongoing dilemma that the UFC has now uh, found themselves in. And it has to do with the gambling situation that has been largely cast upon the shoulders of one James Krause. Now, look, before we even get into the meat of the story, let's not kid ourselves. James Krause is not the disease. He is perhaps a symptom of it, if you want to look at it that way. He is a part of the situation, but he's not the only one to blame. And uh, I think we're probably going to see more of that, and we may see a more emphatic way of finding out more about that, because ESPN has recently reported that the FBI is, and I quote, collecting information and has spoken to people about the fight in which Derek Minner took on, uh, oh, Jesus, <laughs> Shalian Nordenbeke. I Usually I'm better with these names, but I don't know what's happening with me this week. Our very own Trent Ryan Smith, uh, writer for Bloody Elbow, Mudracker Extraordinary, and Pride of Baltimore, had this to say. Uh, he actually contacted the FBI, and they had this to say. Quote, as a matter of longstanding policy, we do not confirm or deny the existence of an investigation. Okay, you can't be too mad at that because that is kind of what their M.O. really is. And okay, yeah, we don't have any leads as to who they would have addressed or who they'd be reaching out to. But we do have another development in which Jeff Molina, who has been a member of Glory MMA and a uh, uh, protege of Krauss in some way, has been suspended from the UFC at this point. Uh that, of course, creates a bit of an absence in the flyweight division. And I should say, actually, a minor correction, not by the UFC. He's been suspended by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Suspension has now been listed as, quote, uncategorized, which is, of course, uh, all reliant on the next commission meeting that is um, due to take place in the near future. So bad news for Molina. Now he's out. Um it's uh, looking kind of cloudy. I mean, if you are a fighter under Glory MMA's banner, you might as well start looking for places that, uh, you know, aren't that place. And we've seen Brandon Moreno and a couple of other folks have to migrate and find other uh, accommodations and other arrangements for their training and growth in the sport. But wow, the feds are on it, folks. Um, what do we think? I mean, are they if they do turn something up, do you think they're going to how deep do you think they're going to dig and how much do you believe will be disclosed for the general public? The UFC is a multi-billion dollar company, so this would be the case of a lifetime. This would make someone's career. So I am pretty certain that with all the the media that's surrounding this story that they're not going to cut corners with it the investigators are going to 
probably microanalyze this thing to death and and good for them because um, this is a big story and it needs to be cracked wide open. I, I feel kind of bad for James. Um, and I feel like the UFC sort of propped him up doing that show. Didn't they have it on Fight Pass for a little while or they were advertising for him, something along those lines? But the UFC sort of supported his little show. And then when all of this stuff happening now, I mean, Dana White even said that he felt like they weren't going to turn anything up. Nothing was going to happen. And then just a few weeks later, Dana's saying, you know, James is looking at federal time, federal prison time, blah, blah, blah. It just seems like they were really quick to wash their hands of James Krause, whereas just a few weeks ago, they were like, there is nothing going on. They're not going to turn up anything. We support James Krause, blah, blah, blah. The fact that the UFC is like, eh. Never was my friend. Never knew him. The mm-hmm. way they wash their hands makes me think that they're a little worried about this this federal investigation too. So I am of the opinion that they're going to dig really deep into this. Mookie, I'm just deeply upset that this story <laughs> unfolded after I left. <laughs> Because I'd have been all over this. This would have been fascinating to me. Now, you and I have interviewed James Krause many times over, and I still hold the opinion that he's thoughtful, he's smart, Mm -hmm. he is one of the more engaging athletes on the UFC roster that I've spoken with over the years. But at the same time, um, doesn't mean all your cleverness has to fall within the legalities of the law. And this is not looking good for James. It's seemingly not looking good for Derek Minner and, and Jeff Molina either. But, yeah, this is a huge deal in terms of just gambling and sports being so heavily intertwined now. The floodgates have opened, and it feels like the horses have left the stable a bit. Mm-hmm. Now, in, on the UFC side, it is a huge deal. So James can have his show on Fight Pass and the gambling yes. advice. That's, that, that's one thing. But while he's still actively coaching fighters creates the obvious potential conflict of interest, which we see out of this fight. I didn't catch this fight live. It was my birthday. I wasn't going to watch UFC, you know, seven hours worth uh, on my big birthday, but I caught it after the fact. And that was just bizarre. And the betting line shifting made that a little too obvious. And when the betting lines are are too obvious to ignore, then you got to see if there's a rat. And that appears to be the case <laughs> that that the feds are getting involved makes me wonder, is this deeper than this just this right. singular fight? Yeah, because, you know, Ontario and Alberta and I think British Columbia, they said we're not accepting UFC bets. And that's what really made the UFC call into action. Like, oh, my goodness, people are not wagering on, on these fights up in Canada. Ontario is a big market for us. And now we've got this going on. So for Kraus, he might end up taking the fall and Minner's obviously out of the UFC. Jeff Molina being suspended is a pretty big deal because, you know, he's got potential to be a really good fighter in that Mm. division. But, um, yeah, this is going to be an ongoing story. I don't think we I don't think the Bucks is just going to stop with James Krause, but it's certainly going to make the UFC uh, be a little more cautious about the way that they promote gambling and everything else. And and as it relates to fighters and trainers, etc. as well, because it feels like you cannot go five minutes if you watch any sporting event. Now, we went from gambling is taboo to who's going to make the next touch? Who's going to score the next touchdown? You know, who, who's going to get land the next punch? It, it's just betting within betting. And, and all of these these live odds, they, they don't go a minute without noting the live odds on UFC fights. They got the DraftKings sponsorship. Hell, I work for field goals, and we've got to do several articles a week where we're doing DraftKings sponsorship. So we're, we're embedded in deep. Um, but with the UFC and combat sports, it's just too easy. It is too easy for the, the, that hole to be exploited where you can essentially, I wouldn't say rig a fight, but manipulate an outcome of a fight in a way that it, it works in your favor financially. You know, I, I love how you come back and now you're talking about holes. It's like you never left. I think this is good. This is a good thing that you've done, a service, in fact. Um, you, you mentioned the Canadian thing, which I found interesting, and I don't know what the big deal is. I mean, Canadian money, like, is it? have we established the, the ground rules for that yet? Or is, is that like... I thought the jury was the, we had a consensus like Canadian money is like not real. <laughs> oh, oh, it is real. It's just that, you know, I think the Canadian dollar is about uh, negative seven cents U.S. these days. And as the resident Canadian, I'm sure you would know that makes perfect sense. You know what I'm wondering, though? You know, have you ever seen those like tunnel cities that they have under Vegas? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Is that where Yanni the Greek is? I have not seen this man in his porcelain face. I have not seen not not hair nor hide. And that's a lot of hair on that hide, that very tanned hide. I have not seen that motherfucker in months. Where is he? What's his, what's going on with him? No, no joke. Like, these last couple of months, he's been conspicuously mm-hmm. absent from, yep. from these cards. And, and when this thing first broke, I thought... Are, are they going to investigate Yanni the Greek yet for all of his miserable contender series bets where he was like on a four or five show run of him not getting any bet correct? Like, is this reverse information? Like, I'm going to give you guys obviously incorrect predictions as a wink wink so that you can make money by betting the opposite way. <laughs> we need to inv- investigate Yanni the Greek right this minute. This is this is like when the NBA was investigating steroids. You remember that? It was like it was well over a decade ago, and yeah. their star witness or whatever the main focus was Juan Dixon. If you don't remember Juan Dixon, let me save you a click. He's the skinniest man in the NBA since Reggie Miller. They went to Juan <laughs> Dixon to ask him about fucking steroids. <laughs> Good God. Oh, my God. What a stupid, beautiful world this is. What a sport. Only other thing I want to say is I really feel bad for Brandon Moreno. I, I will never get over the fact that he uprooted his entire family, didn't move across state lines. He moved from one country to another one to train at that gym and be close to James Krause. He is fighting for a title in a little over a month and had his whole camp disrupted over this. That will never sit right with me. <laughs> I feel bad yeah. for him most, I think. So we must move on, and we're going to move from one crazy story into an even crazier story. And if you've ever wondered how the UFC ended up in bed with ESPN, going from Fox to ESPN, boy, this story is a doozy. Now, Dana White gave an interview to Grant Cardone, and he revealed that the key to getting this Endeavor deal with ESPN was because of an ESPN executive's cocaine addiction. Now, I don't know who Grant Cardone is, but he got the story of a lifetime here, I think. Uh, Dana said, I'll tell you a really crazy story. You ever hear of John Skipper? John Skipper ran ESPN. Now, I think he runs DAZN today. Okay, he ran ESPN. He was beloved. Looks like the squarest dude on the planet. Older guy, you know? hates the UFC, hates it, hates UFC, big soccer guy, for whatever reason, he hated the UFC, different people like different things, and I'm not shitting on John Skipper, but this is a fact, this happened, and this is a true story, John Skipper, beloved at ESPN, ESPN's at the top of their game, these guys are killing it in revenue, they're making like, five dollars per subscriber when cable was the biggest it's ever been to have espn and all this stuff right so our fox deal is up and we're probably not going to end up doing another deal with fox they're selling off cable networks and restructuring so they're not the same company that they were when we started with them john skipper's never ever gonna take the ufc so we're in a real tough place If it seemed as though all hope was lost, it turned out that Skipper had a really, really serious secret that was about to go public. Dana continues, John Skipper's cocaine dealer is going to rat him out. What? So he has to tell Disney, yeah, my cocaine dealer is probably going to go public and whatever. So he has to step down from ESPN right at the time that we're going to try and make our TV deal. Who do they put in as the new president? Jimmy Pataro, who ran Yahoo Sports for years, and I've known him for a long time. He's a great dude. He loves the UFC. You've got him, a guy named Kevin Meyer, who is really close to Ari Emanuel, and we end up doing the ESPN deal when our Fox deal is up. So you want to talk about timing and you know, like what John Skipper does coke. John Skipper was very nice to us, always treated us with respect. But while John Skipper was there, there was no way in hell the UFC was going to be on ESPN. Now to add the, the backstory to this story, 
John Skipper in 2018 sat down with Hollywood Reporter to tell his side of the tale. He said, and I quote, I had a substance abuse problem. I grew up wanting to be countercultural. I worked at Rolling Stone for the first 10 years of my professional life. I had a point of view that recreational drugs were recreational, that they weren't dangerous, that they could be used without repercussions. So obviously there were repercussions when he went to Disney CEO Bob Iger They both agreed that he had placed the company in an untenable position, and as a result, he resigned. So that is how the UFC got the ESPN deal. Now, I know Mookie probably already knows this, but Victor, were you shocked when you heard that? I was, so I was a little disappointed because it's like, okay, there's something about the sport that brings people like Liver King, like Gary V, like Grant Cardone, a con man and a fraud. Of course he'd be hanging out. Dana White would join his podcast. Of course he would. That that part, like, just I already walked into the situation like, ugh. And it's like, wait, who's doing cocaine? John Skipper? Huh. That was just, it, it was more weird to me. It was more like, why? Why is this all happening? It was one of those surprises. More so in the shock of like, oh my God, it's him. I, I didn't. Yeah, this this was. I'm just glad that Dana didn't really, um, he didn't kick the guy while he was down too much, you know. Because look, uh, drug addiction, we've all seen examples of it. We've we just got through talking about the throws that Stephen Bonner was in. So you know, like you you want to be a little, you want to show a little bit more grace to people that are going through situations like that. But Jesus, that is one hell of a lucky break. If things really went the way Dana did, and I got to take everything with a grain of salt, the size of Tito's head. yeah, I mean, shit. I guess he's right. <laughs> they really, they really made something. Uh, uh, they they caught one of the luckiest breaks they could probably get. It's it's nuts. Yeah, I got a feeling that what Dana said is not one hundred percent of the story, and that there's like a tiny bit of embellishment. There might have been some other details that you could fill in. In fact, I just pulled up Awful Announcing's article on it, and this is from what one of their writers, Andrew Buckholtz, wrote at the Times. This is in twenty eighteen. Uh, obviously. Skipper wasn't big on the USA, but it also wound up being key that some areas Skipper used to control, in particular ESPN Plus, now report or reported at the time to Disney exec Kevin Mayer, that Mayer and Disney CEO Bob Iger were interested in the UFC rights. Uh, so that was, was a big part of it, that the UFC has been a big boost to ESPN+. Plus. That's undeniable. Even if they've had a down year with pay-per-view this year, that they still boost that subscription counts significantly. So th- there's probably more to the story than what Dana said, but it certainly makes sense at the timeline of how this all materialized because i remember like six years ago and i brought this up i think even on this show espn was steadily moving out of the combat sports business those old friday night fights boxing shows they just they just stopped airing them they they slashed the budgets and gave up on that and friday night fights rules i we know we've never been able to fill that void again i have a feeling that if espn plus it didn't exist they might have skipped out on the ufc rights altogether but now we see that they're in on the UFC. They're in on top rank. They're it's sort of in on PFL. I got the feeling that the PFL pay-per-view buys are not enormous, but still, they've got some interest in combat sports, and the UFC is numero uno. And John Skipper, after leaving ESPN, he did go to zone. He's more of a boxing guy than a UFC guy, obviously. And even that didn't turn out all that well, because look at all the money that they wasted. I, I mean, they, they went all in on this is the death of pay-per-view, and now DAZN is running pay-per-views for YouTube boxers. So <laughs> life, life comes at you fast. I don't think Skipper is in that same role on DAZN anymore either. He tried to get Deontay no. Wilder. That didn't work out. They, they tried signing basically all of Al Heyman's guys, and none of that worked out. So uh, Skipper did have an influence in combat sports, I guess, on two sides. One was the DAZN side, and the other side was uh, whether or not he really wanted the UFC on the platform, on the ESPN platform. Yeah, they're, um, he moved on. He's working with Meadowlark Media now. Uh, mm-hmm. If you haven't yeah. heard of them, they are totally not sports at all. He um, started. You'd be forgiven he, for not knowing. He actually started. He's the brains behind Meadowlark Media. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, I, 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 hey, it, it seems like there's a market for it. I mean, it's all, uh, <laughs> as they call, um, as, as I'm reading a quote here, creating heartfelt videos in the Midwest, which 
<laughs> I mean, fine. You have a lot of people there. It's a it's a much narrower demographic, but I don't I don't think it's something that yeah, it'd probably be sustainable if you have a low overhead and you you know sort of open up your your base and uh, find a uh, proper way to market it in certain areas. You can certainly do that. I mean, church groups and stuff, and you know, it, it's not that hard. Look at what look at what doing uh, advertising with the UFC did for farmers only. I mean, they they did pretty well with that. I mean, it, it seems laughable now, but. Suddenly, you notice the commercials are having a higher production value. It, it, something went right, you know. So, I mean, if you find the right connections and you find avenues for it, maybe, maybe you can do something with it. I don't know. Not, not all the commercials, because if you notice, ESPN Plus runs like the same two, three ads on every well, no. <laughs> card. And if I got to, if I got to listen to that Burger King ad one more time, oh my God, uh, we we absolutely need to find the people in charge of that jingle and uh, jail them all for life. Yeah, this is why I don't watch it live. That's that's the be- the biggest benefit to me has been exactly that. Oh boy. Yeah. Speaking of uh, rage and anger and uh, <laughs> wanting to do terrible things, we're going to move on to the one and only Colby Covington. Now he's he's not the violent one in this situation. I know, I know. I had you there for a second though. That was good though, wasn't it? No, we're going to talk about the incident in which Jorge Masvidal decided to run up. And get him done up as he uh, eventually assaulted him earlier this year. Oh, my God, that was this year. Jesus Christ. Uh, turns out that the reports were that a masked man matching Masvidal's general description approached Covington and said, you should have been talking about my kids. And then, bap, bap, got him in the face. And then, uh, well, basically, they had to be pulled apart. The cops showed up. There's a video of Jorge's arrest and questioning online if you are are interested in that as well. But audio has been released regarding the 911 call that Colby Covington had um, made. And, oh, boy, that's that's it's an interesting one. Um, here's basically – I'm just going to give you a little bit of it here. As soon as we're about to walk across the street, I get sideswiped from the side. Yes, that's how sideswiping works, Colby. Covington recalled, uh, like I get punched in the mouth real quick and kind of get dizzed up, and I look up and see who it is. I can see it's his eyes. It's Jorge Masvidal. I can see his hair coming out of his hoodie, but he has a face mask on, a surgical face mask. But he's saying, you shouldn't have fucking talked about my kids. You shouldn't have fucking talked about my kids. So I was easily able to identify like that's his voice that's his eyes that's his hair i know exactly who that is and he took two quick punches to me yes i do have a history of knowing this person (laughs) because i lived with him for two years and we were training partners for eight years we were very close friends we literally trained together every single day we were best friends obviously i just fought this individual two weeks ago in las vegas nevada for the ufc on their pay-per-view and i beat him easily so i know exactly what he looks like his eyes his hair god damn that's like a donald trump thing like yeah i know him but you know yeah his feet were smelly i did his laundry you know like what did you need to bring that part up that you beat him easily all right fine whatever um look man we already been down this road all right as cat williams family said you shouldn't have been talking shit but he did but there is something else about this when you look at the the context of all that and you and you read the transcript or you listen to the audio and Kobe basically tries to explain to the uh, dispatchers that this whole thing was all basically him talking shit for building up the fight, right? All in the name of promotion, all just trying to get a rise out of the guy to sell more tickets and pay-per-views. But the way he's handling this, though, and the way he's talking about it, man, it's like, was Kobe, was, was Jorge right to do what he did? I don't really think so. If he couldn't settle it in the cage, like, what are you doing trying to find this guy out there on the street? I understand that it's on site. I get it. But you had an opportunity. You didn't make the most of it. And now you're looking bad and you're facing legal fees on top of the legal trouble. But as for Kobe, though, I mean, he kind of looks like a schoolyard tattletale here. I mean, this is strictly as a matter of reputation, okay? And I know we don't want to get too hung up on, like, the whole, oh, who's more masculine than the other or whatnot. But just, like, purely from a sense of, just 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 pure integrity here's a guy who's talking about no everything i say is real none of it's a shtick but as soon as the law is involved it's a shtick and you know man i knew it was gonna happen sooner or later i knew this is all gonna come to light but god damn what do you guys make of the way he handled it like am i wrong here is he is does he not seem kind of squirrely to you does this not seem a little i don't know pathetic well, it seems pathetic because we don't like Colby Covington. I mean, it's it's a kind of a universal notion for, for, for normal people anyways. But here's the thing. This is leaked audio. 
and he's relaying an attack on his person. Now, because he had previous interaction with, with, with Jorge, yeah, that adds intrigue to the story. And maybe he had it coming in, in the halls of street justice, but in the halls of civil justice, you just can't do that. And we're always uh, of the mind that you, you gotta, you gotta exercise and practice some restraint. So I, I look at this and, and I think that it's kind of fucked up that the audio got leaked, but I'm kind of glad it did so that I could hear Colby squirming and stuff because I don't like him. But overall, Jorge's got whatever he's got coming to him legally because he, he fucked up. He shouldn't have done that. Period. End of, end, of, end of conversation. But does Colby sound pathetic? Yes, he does. Yeah, we fought on the UFC pay-per-view. I beat him easily. That's the only thing I got out of that entire thing. <laughs> you know, that that's a, as much as he was willing to 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 get, get into his act. If, if he really wanted to ham it up, I, I think he should just have a neck brace on him at all times, like like uh, like he's Chris from The Sopranos, like he's Christopher <laughs> Baltasanti. Yeah. Like, oh my God, th- there's a reason why we haven't seen Colby Covington fight over the last nine months. That attack by by Masvidal had him in a bad way. Now, to me, Masvidal is still the villain here because for all the, the, the street justice talk, sucker punching is lame. It, it, it is remarkably lame. Both of these dudes are just so... Like, Masvidal's 15 minutes are up. Covington, his 15 minutes are, are probably also up. But, you know, with, with Covington, he, he's just a, a complete cartoon character most of the time, such that when audio leaks like this, it's kind of jarring to hear him just be normal. Mm-hmm. Or something close to normal. Yep. And then you realize his normal is not all that interesting. And the no. most important point of this whole story is that they had the opportunity to settle it. It got settled in a legal capacity, and that wasn't enough for Masvidal. Mm-hmm. No. Yep. It was never. It was minutes. never going to be exactly. It was never going to be, especially the way that fight went. Yeah. Well, we know what it means. Yeah. Osvidal Covington, 2023, bare-knuckle boxing. Or actually, no, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to skip bare-knuckle boxing now because during the time that I've been gone, apparently we got some sort of Dana White slap fighting league oh, that I absolutely know that MMA media will cover to some degree because you, you, you need the page views. Come right. on. <laughs> like, I, I'm no idiot. I, just because I've left for a few months doesn't mean I'd still like I've totally abandoned the inner workings of, of, of the website. So the best way for Dana White slap fighting to not exist is if you don't watch and you don't click. Uh-huh. If you do watch and you do click, they're going to have to cover it. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, this is this is probably the way it's going to have to go. I mean, they'll, they'll the one thing I do miss, and it's unfortunate that Charlie Murphy isn't around anymore. I think he would have been killer on commentary for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. So it's time for us to get into our end of the year awards because we three have been competing with each other with our picks. And since I've been sick, we have not had a chance to check in with our last picks of the season where Victor and I tied for first and Mookie came in last, but it was only one pick difference. Okay, so for UFC Vegas 66, Mookie picked Manel Cop, Bobby Green, Julian Arosa, Amir Albazi, Armin Sarukian, and Jared Cannonier. He went four and two. The only pick difference was that Victor and I picked Drew Dober over Bobby Green. So we went five and one. So as the standings are right now, before Mookie gets into the rest of them, Mookie is in the lead by two. He is 137, 86, and four. I am two behind him, 135, 88, and four. And Victor is right behind us at 125, 98, and four. So, Mookie, I'm going to turn this over to you because you have our predictions from the start of the year. Yes, I do. And uh, be- before we do that, can the UFC please stop giving Sean Strickland main events? <laughs> <laughs> Because I willingly watch this on my own time. I, I imagine that was an NFL Saturday. And if I had to actually cover that, I'd have been a miserable human being. I mean, it's just 25 minutes of him never getting into second gear. Yeah. It is it's just 
dire to watch. But the rest of that card ruled. It's yeah. an excellent card, especially um, Caceres knocking out Erosa the way he did. I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. And Drew Dober, good Lord. Ooh. that To knock out Bobby Green the way he did. Dober, didn't he call out... Um, not Michael Dan Chandler. Bob. Chandler. You call it Michael Chandler? Yeah. 100% will watch that. Also... Not getting that fight, but 100% will watch that. Green mm-hmm. was tuning his ass up, though, before that knockout. Green was yep. looking really sharp. Yes, he, he looks so good, but Dober's just got that, that serious power, and he can take hell of a punch. I mean, mm. he's hard to hurt. Yeah, really. He but I mean, so look at his hurt. jaw. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and then look at who he's training with. Like, he, he, that, that might be iron sharpens iron to the nth degree right there. So, um, at the start of the year, when I was still with Bloody Elbow and I was still doing the show regularly, we did our championship predictions, UFC championship predictions. And it's a very basic thing, which is, the champions on the UFC who started it, you know, they had their belts at the start of 2022. Would they keep it or lose it by the end of 2022? So the UFC schedule is over. And as far as determining who keeps and who loses it, if they lose the belt, it doesn't matter how it happened. They could have lost it in the cage. They could have retired. They could have pissed hot. Does not matter who loses the belt. No longer champion at the end of the year. So we go from the smallest weight class to the uh, biggest weight class. Um, Strawweights, Rose Namajunas was the champion. Lost it in that uh, fight with Carlos Esparza, quote-unquote fight. And then Wiley Zhang is since, uh, has since won the belt from Esparza. So I got that right. So did Victor. Steffi predicted Nama Yunus would stay the champion, and that went horribly wrong. <laughs> women's, women's flyweight, uh, we had to breathe a sigh of relief here because we all said Valentina Shevchenko would keep the belt. But Tyler Santos mm. came really, really, really close. To, to pulling off the upset, and I assume we'll get a rematch or something uh, next year. Then we get to women's bantamweights. None of us thought Juliana Pena would retain that belt, and that ended up being the case. Amanda Nunes won it back. And then we got women's 145 correct because Amanda Nunes didn't even fight in that weight class the whole year. Oh, wait, <laughs> wait that's, still, that's still a weight class? They still, they still do? The- yeah, supposedly they still have women's featherweight. It still oh, wow. exists. Amanda Nunes is still the champion. Does, does she aware of that? Does she know that? <laughs> Someone bother fucking telling her. I'm not even sure the UFC is aware that they have women's feather, other women's <laughs> featherweights on the roster. They forgot. Oh, no, they didn't forget because they tried to they they they, they tried to talk uh, Norma Dumont into dropping. Uh, yeah, so they, somebody remembers. Somebody's keeping the lights on there. Yep. Uh, so now we get to the men's side. Brandon Moreno entered the 2022 as a champion. Did not stay that way after that classic with uh, Davis and Figueroa. He is the interim champion, but interim champ don't count. And they are going to duke it out one more time in a few weeks. So Steffi thought Moreno would keep the belt. That did not work out. Uh, Victor and I believe that Moreno would lose the belt. We were right. Then we get to a 135. We all thought Aljamain Sterling wouldn't be champion uh, after the end of 2022. And, uh, well, we were wrong there. Not only did he beat Peter Jan, but he stopped TJ Dillashaw in another fight that if there was ever a case for investigating a little further what was going on is the fact that TJ Dillashaw was even allowed to compete with that obviously jack shoulder like that that was so wacky i don't remember if the betting lines moved significantly for that but that that just didn't feel right it, it, it did an injustice to aljo too because i thought he would have beaten him if he was healthy but compromise like that no no chance and now dillashaw's retired right yeah, yeah. retired in quotes yes retired we'll see him in a couple of years maximum I'm pretty sure that he'll 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 come back in 2023. Uh, so we get to men's featherweight. Alexander Volkanovsky, still the king. There will be an interim title between Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. Good for Josh Emmett. I know Arnold Allen kind of got screwed a bit, but Josh Emmett's also really been set back by the injuries that I have no issue with Emmett getting the, the title shot over Arnold Allen. Uh, so we were all right there. Volkanovsky's trying to be a champ champ against Makachev uh, in February presuming that card holds up because we're losing all the good fights. Uh, lightweight, Charles Oliveira. Steffi thought Oliveira would keep the belt. Didn't work out that way. She almost got there, but Makachev was too good. I thought Oliveira would lose the title, and yet I picked him to beat Makachev, so uh, I got to remember my own picks. Victor also thought Oliveira would keep the belt. Uh-uh. Then welterweight. Needless to say, we all got this wrong. This ended up being the very last UFC that I ever worked for Bloody Elbow. Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards, the head kick heard around the world. Almost certainly knockout of the year as well. Oh, I mean, headshot dead. My God. Knockout of the year, comeback of the year, or comeback of the year contender. Just an iconic finish. So we whiffed on that. We also promo, went on... promo of the year potentially, too. That's how you, he reminded you that he was a, this is a Jamaican man talking. I know yeah, that Dan. was a title fight, and we're calling it a comeback of the year, but 
Schnell and Sumaderji. Pooh, that's a comeback. Yes, that that was insane because it, it like Schnell was only plausibly alive yeah, to start that, too, to and me, then he come back and then that's had him choked him to sleep. Year. Yeah, that that was absolutely wild. We had a year years worth of just incredible fights. Um, Israel Adesanya, yeah, <laughs> we thought we'd keep the belt. I didn't mention Alex Pereira's name one time. I played back the audio. I didn't mention Pereira as a potential uh, foil to Adesanya. And again, Adesanya was on the cusp. He was on the cusp of finally beating uh, Alex, and it didn't work. Hmm. And sure enough, him constantly backing up against the fence, against a guy with a lethal he- left hook, ended up being costly. So Alex is the champ. Yeah, you know, there. I, I worry that that's going to have that, that's how things are going to end for me. I've been out running and celebrating that 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 I I, I finally defeated the child support monster. That motherfucker going to get me turning the corner. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna catch me? They always catch you, bro. They coming for half my. I wake up in the middle of the night, cold sweat. This shit is not fun. <laughs> but you have your kid. What are you talking hey, about? They, they, they listen, they, they, you know, they just, they just let me handle this business. You understand? I got a little something going on. Here. <laughs> <laughs> moving, moving on to light heavyweight Glover Teixeira. Maybe he will be champion again because I think it couldn't have been any more light heavyweight that. Blachowicz, Ankalaev ended up not being all that great to watch. I didn't think it was terrible, but it was certainly not all that great to watch. That the UFC said, screw it, we're going to book Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill for the vacant title in three weeks' notice. And they like, did that it is five minutes later. Yes, I mean, th- yeah, that literally. was the best part. You could tell that Dana was seething. First of all, Ankalaev won that fight. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy Christ. The judging. Yeah, Doug Crosby, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he judged that fight, but... I don't allow this man to judge fights ever again. Yeah. Like, he should be barred full stop. He is worse than Adelaide Bird uh, has ever been. Oh, I mean, Adelaide Bird's way. a terrible judge, but Crosby oh. has been terrible for a very, very long time, and then he comes up with some cockamamie excuse of why he's terrible. Yeah. You know, you know there's there's a great, uh, the most recent Anakin Florian episode, they got Ray Longo on, and I, I uh, frankly, I didn't know some of the stuff that Longo and, and Anik in particular were discussing about Crosby. Personal problems that he, he's had with both. Yeah. Uh, does any other judge have this kind of situation i that is very very weird yeah that's why um that that's why sarah longo don't allow crosby to judge their fights yeah yeah ray mentioned that i've forgotten all about that i I didn't even know why yeah there's there's two or three teams um but they don't allow uh doug crosby to judge any of their fights but mookie i owe you an apology you know why? Because you tried to talk me down off the Patty Pimlet ledge, and I kept arguing with you about it. And boy, oh boy, were you right. Yeah, he, he, he is a perfectly mm-hmm. fun fighter, and mm-hmm. he is also not very good. Nope. And he didn't, he didn't win that fight. Crosby went on a cross-country tour of shit judging. Mm-hmm. Like, it was that Sabatello fight <laughs> the, the night before with, um, with uh, Rafael Stotts, and only he could have possibly seen 50-45 for him. And then he turns around, and then he also has two partners with him to also give Patty Pimblett 29-28 as if there was some Doug Crosby-style Jedi mind trick. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've, I think MMA judging as a whole is not terrible, but there are a lot of fights with at least one bad scorecard mm-hmm. that, that makes you scratch your head, even if the right winner was, was declared. That was such an undeniable robbery. Yeah. This and that's great. robbery of the year, bar none. Don't, so, let it, don't ever let it be said that MMA doesn't have culture. We got our very own, the Johnny Appleseed of shit decisions, traveling and traversing the nation, one event at a time, fucking things up for everybody. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah he's like he he's is, Carmen he's San Diego. He's, he's going to go from one continent to another, slowly exactly. but surely, and ruin fights one by one. He's just shitting in the dishwasher for fun. I interviewed Doug Crosby a while back, about five years ago, uh, at the behest of Chael Sonnen. Chael had asked me, hey, you know what? Um, I want you to interview Doug because he's really fun and I think that you'll have a good time with him. <laughs> so I interview Doug and, and he is kind of funny and he was kind of interesting, but he is also very, very full of himself. I mm. mean to tell you, the guy talk- <clears throat> he's amazing at talking himself up. Every word out of his mouth is, I, 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 I did this. I'm the greatest. I'm this. I'm that. So after the interview, I'm talking with, I want to say it was Nate. And he asked me how the interview went. And I said, I'll tell you what. And I was also still chatting with Doug 
in Skype. Okay, so I'm on Slack with Nate and I'm in Skype with Doug and he was asking me when it would publish, if it was going to have an, an, an article with it. He was very insistent that it get an article. So, you know, I'm, I'm chatting with him and I'm chatting with Nate and I'm trying to tell Nate, you know, the interview went well, but boy, this dude is so full of himself. Guess where I put that response? Yes, I did. Oh, I put my. it in the Skype directly to Doug Crosby. He has never spoken to me since. Eh, well, <laughs> he never asked when the article was going up after that. <laughs> Nothing. When I tagged him in it, because he used to be on Twitter. I don't know if he still is. When I tagged him in it, he didn't share it. He didn't like it. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so that is my one and only run-in with Doug Crosby. Eh, eh, not like he didn't deserve it. That, that, that's that's a classic story that can only come out of MMA, if we're being honest. Right. This has certainly got a lot more stories that probably aren't fit for, for airtime. Now, last but not least, Francis Ngannou. Uh, Steffi thought Ngannou would lose the title, and uh, Victor and I thought he would retain the title. This was close because Ngannou obviously won, but I was wondering, would he vacate the belt? Would he leave the UFC? Or, or, or would something screwy happen if he got stripped of the belt and then Steffi would be right? Because it is heavyweight, and I'm still really bad at these picks, but... He's still the champion for now. I don't know when he's fighting next. Maybe he's fighting John Jones, but John Jones, heavyweight, is a mythical figure. So how did we tally? I went nine and three with my championship predictions. Victor eight and four. Steffi five and seven. That's the type of form that the Seahawks have been in lately and why I'm in such a grouchy mood. But the final standings for twenty twenty two, one forty six eighty nine and four for yours truly. Steffi's one forty ninety five and four. And Victor one thirty three one oh two and four. So I can retire in peace. Because but I got my not. title back. Here's the thing, though. I have decided, and I made this as a unilateral decision, that you are going to compete with us next year, too. Sure, why not? I mean, it's <laughs> not like I... Here, here's the deal. Just because I haven't been as embedded in, in, in the sports, because, of course, I'm tied up with field goals, where doesn't mean I'm not watching the fights. I still watch them. I just don't watch all of them live. And I tell you what, watching it as just a fan as opposed to the 10 years I've been watching it as part of a job, it is so relieving not having to do seven hours uninterrupted, undivided attention on fights week after week after week. Watching it on your own time or watching like bits and pieces live, it is so relaxing. And that's a better way to still enjoy the fights. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. So on that note, we are going to wrap the show. And I'm probably going to bug Mookie to come back next week just so that we can make beginning of the year picks and or maybe the following week. Whatever day he has available for us, we would love to have him come back. And we'll probably have him come back a couple of times over the course of the year so he can gloat when he invariably, invariably makes his victory laps week after week. But what I want you to do right now is follow him on Twitter at Mookie Alexander. Get over to SB Nation's Field Goals website where he is the managing editor. And if you're a Seahawks fan, well, this is the guy right here. Get over to Twitter and follow Victor at Vic M. Rodriguez. He's a funny motherfucker and worth the follow. Get over to his Instagram and check out all his mouthwatering food porn pics he is victor sinister rodriguez there we are on twitter ourselves that's uh, level change pod on twitter on facebook it's level change podcast we are uh well victor and i work for bloody elbow so you can follow our work there and if you listen to the pre-recorded outro you get to hear mookie's smooth dulcet tones telling you where you can listen to all the bloody elbow shows so until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Bivis Section, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, 
Crooklyn's Corner. Exclusive fighter interviews. Show money. Guest podcasts. The Hey Not the Face podcast. And radio style play by play for every UFC pay per view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and as always on BloodyElbow.com. <laughs>